Welcome to the I'll Think About It podcast. Nothing is off limits in this space because we are interested and curious about everything. Join us for a thoughtful journey into the heart of the deep issues of our day with a few laughs along the way. Let's do this. Okay, in this episode, we go through some current events, stuff that uh, we've seen in the news the past, I don't know, week or two uh, that we think, well, we find interesting and hopefully you find interesting too. So what's some of that stuff, Aaron, that we went over? Well, we touched a lot of things in this episode, starting with the Oscars, of course, because Oscars were yesterday, so it's fresh in our mind. And we talked about comedians and, of course, the bank failure of Mm -hmm. SVB. Uh, That's a big one. And uh, Jim Cramer, one of the uh, most silly uh, of financial advisors on TV. Not financial advisor, financial personality. Personality. So. <laughs> you're right. You're right. Okay. Uh, wind farms. You're right. Wind yep. farms. And, and whales. And whales. Uh, Greta Thunberg. Greta. And we finish with the Jesus Revolution movie. And, right. Yeah, and the Asbury uh, revival. Revival question mark. Question mark. Right. Yes, <laughs> exactly. So we hope okay. you enjoy this episode. All right. Here it is current events. Enjoy. This week, we wanted to do something a little bit different. Instead of a deep dive like our past episodes, we wanted to touch on some current issues and sort of freewheel it a little bit and hit a few current hot topics. Sounds exciting. I think it'll be exciting because hot topics are like current, like we were just talking about them. Right. Trying to sift through all of the hot topics. (laughs) And it seems like a never ending stream too these days. No, our hot topic list got actually so long. We actually, we had to cut it (laughs) because it would have been a five hour episode. Yes. Which not to say that people might not enjoy that. Uh, I might have been asleep at the end of a five hour episode. I don't think I could talk that long. Even for us, that might be. Even for long, that. No, we, we can go the distance, but I don't know that our listeners could. No, no. We have to have respect for the listener. Yes. And so we had to sift through and also be well rounded, right? Yeah. We like, yeah, we like to have a variety of topics. We're, we're not one trick ponies here. No, we're not. So a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and we're off. Okay. Well, what, what, uh, what do you want to start with there? Well, last night was the Oscars. Oh, right. And so I wanted to find out if you have watched, did you watch any of the movies? Do you even know any? I was going to make a stupid joke. The Oscars. What's that? Well, no, that's, that's true. I think that's I mean, a lot of their people. ratings are just, I Tanked. mean, they've just died, right? I, I really wonder now who is watching the Oscars. Well, they're watching themselves. Certainly, yeah. Hollywood yep. watches it for themselves. Yep. Have they now lost the average American for all intents and purposes, you think? I think they have. There's no more mystery. We are saturated with the- Saturated. Saturated. <laughs> or saturated. Satu- situated <laughs> with stars on everyday life. I mean, we've got so all, this, all the different social medias. We've got TV. We've got- I would say it a different way. Do we even care about any of these- these so-called media personalities anymore. You've seen those articles that have been written, the death of the movie star and everything. The celebrities now are YouTubers. It's not people by and large from Hollywood anymore. No, do you disagree? I, no, I, I think that the death of the movie star happens because the movie star is no longer mysterious. In the past, you would have a movie star who would be seen on the red carpet mm-hmm. once a year or the Golden Globes, gracing a couple of magazine covers. You'd see them in the movies but you would have no real insight into the, what was going on behind the scenes. So when they brought themselves out in their pretty dresses and their nice suits, 
it was a lot more interesting because then you would rare, you catch a rare glimpse of them. So you think they're overexposed now? Completely that's, overexposed. That's what the issue is. Yeah. And well, course- they're overexposed, and they're. Their ridiculous lifestyle and things they say are overexposed. And so we're just, I think right. we're Twitter we're, is not their friend by and no, large. Yeah. No. And you're getting, to, I don't know, we've been peeling back the layers and you get to see who these people really are and they're just not all that interesting. Isn't it also true though that, well, I don't know about you, but I, I feel like the quality of the movies put out are just not very good anymore. So I don't even, I don't, I don't know who any of these people are because I don't watch any of their movies. I, well, I think that that's part of the problem is that they're recycling old stories. You know, I didn't see any of the movies except for Top Gun Maverick, which I absolutely loved. Right. Everybody's who I know who has seen that said they really liked it and it's I should see so it. so good. Okay. And so it was one of the ones nominated for Best Picture. Fantastic movie. It should have won. And I wasn't think. it kind of unabashedly pro-American essentially or – you know, the funny thing is, it's, it is pro-American, but mostly it has, doesn't appear to have an agenda that's one way or the other. Mm, okay. So then by default, I guess it does make it pro-American. It's just a movie you watch for the thrill of the movie. It's just a good story. You don't feel like they're hitting you with any underlying agendas or storylines. I it, wonder it's if, transparent. I wonder if a lot of the, I don't know, executives in some of these Hollywood studios are frustrated that a movie without any of their woke agenda isms is so successful if that really annoys them. <laughs> well, it probably does, but how could you be annoyed with something that's making you money? And, and that right there well, shows a real problem because yeah. if you have a product that's going to sell and you know the formula, and this is what the formula is, but you don't want to do that formula. You want to do something else and make that sell. And then you're frustrated your formula doesn't work. It doesn't make any sense. Well, and I think we might bring this up again, but the whole woke agenda thing is so annoying to almost everybody I know. It's a poison pill in a movie for most of the people I know. I'm, of course, I'm the worst of anybody, but not only does it not sell, I think people actively reject it. So it's a real mistake for them, but they seem hell bent on really pushing that stuff. And it's quite overt. It's not even subtle. Well, we just watched a series called The Last of Us on HBO Max. And it's the type of storyline that my husband and I really like. It's sort of a dystopian. uh, It's a zombie movie. Zombie apocalypse. Zombie apocalypse. (laughs) But it also has there's enough reality in the science behind why people become zombies. It makes it creepy and more intriguing. It's kind of like a science fiction. It is. Aspect, and, yeah. but it's got some of, some of the episodes have some really agendized portions of them. Mm-hmm. For example, one of the episodes, there's sort of a cannibalistic tribe of people that have gathered in one area. And of course, the, the man who's the bad man is using the Bible to, <laughs> to control his quote unquote flock. And right. then he's also separately a very terrible man. It was an easy storyline storyline to make the Christian the bad guy here. And this there's is, there's other things in the ep, in the series that are annoying. Why did they do that? They it just it was it's a fantastic story, but then they stick these things in there like little barbs. I I almost don't even have a problem with the idea of throwing stuff like that in, but that one in particular. You want to talk about cliche? They have been saying that Christianity is nothing but opium and control of the masses forever. Really? I mean, that's just not interesting or creative. Even if you're trying to do that kind of stuff, never mind the you're going to automatically offend, I don't know, a third of your potential audience by pushing that. Well, there have um, been – there. Uh, I can't remember his name, but one of the guys from The Office came out and said, of course, that 
they're using the Christian as the bad guy. Mm-hmm. And then other people were responding to his tweet and they were saying, well, it's just boring at this point. It's, yeah, so, it's just boring. It's, it's not even an interesting storyline to make the Christian it, the bad guy anymore because it's just, it's easy. It's just yeah. easy to do it. And also, I really question whether or not the non-Christian viewer even buys into the whole premise to begin with. I mean, it just doesn't seem like Christians are an evil force basically anywhere. Yes, you got your weird little cults, but that's not a that's not specific to Christianity. Yeah, <laughs> that's of that's just a that's just a thing in human nature. Yes. So I, I don't know. It, it's again, yeah, right, like you said, they can't help themselves but to push push these these topics sometimes. And if I'm not mistaken, I think wasn't one of the Netflix executives. I think she basically admitted to pushing lots of woke agenda in in a lot of their uh, their productions. Well, it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. Because. And she was basically bragging about it. It's like, I, that's, if, if you're doing, now, if I'm in Netflix, if I'm, if I'm a stockholder, if I'm in the, the hierarchy of the company, I'd be furious and irate. No, you're supposed to be making the best entertainment possible so that we as a company can thrive. You're not supposed to push an agenda that doesn't even make business sense. It doesn't. You want to make the best product that's going to sell the most. But Hollywood seems to be just infested with this notion. So again, that's why I say it's kind of, I don't know, maybe it's just me wanting to get a little kind of gotcha moment when a movie like Maverick is so successful, which seems to eschew all of that kind of... It was just a good movie. Yeah. It, It was just a good movie. It had good action, good acting. The pace was good. It had interesting sequences, flight sequences that were thrilling, and the storyline was good. The bad guy wasn't too far-fetched. What they were trying to accomplish wasn't too far-fetched, but just interesting enough to make it where maybe they aren't going to do it. And so it kept you on the edge of your seat. It it just had all the – it checked all the boxes for a good movie. To me, it didn't – that doesn't seem hard to to do. Uh, But that's basically the only movie of the year that – you would put in that category, right? That you know of? To that level, as far as I can remember. So yeah. the rest of the movies at the Oscars. You well, never there saw was or... that anywhere, anything all at once. I, I'm probably not saying the name right, but that was the one that won Best Picture. It won a bunch of awards. And, and you know, a lot of people, I haven't seen it, but a lot of people say that one of the reasons it did win is because it was creative. It was not a new, it was not a recycled storyline. It was a new idea. Mm, okay. And so, well, listen, there's a lot of people who have great creative minds that are in the arts still. I just feel like they're not the ones that are getting to get out there or if their ideas are decided to be pursued, that they somehow get infested with all this woke stuff and then it just destroys it. If Hollywood would just let some of these creative people just do their thing like they used to. Obviously, still maintaining a certain level of of uh, marketability, they could potentially have a little bit of a resurgence. But right now, as it is, I just it just seems like it's a train going down to nowhere. I totally agree. As far as really good blockbusters yeah. go, although we did see a good movie over the weekend, it's called Operation Fortune, and it was sort of a blend between Mission Impossible and James Bond, but with some snark oh, okay. in there. Uh, guy, it was a Guy Ritchie. Movie. That sounds kind of fun. Yeah, it was a fun movie. Yeah. And uh, I walked out of the movie thinking I liked it because it wasn't trying to be something that it wasn't. And it didn't take itself too seriously. Right. Uh, it was just pure action, international intrigue with lots of eye candy, mm-hmm. Italian villas, international locations. Sounds um, like James Bond, basically. Yeah, it was. Yeah. But less uh, – 
the main character wasn't as suave as right. James Bond. So it was a little right. mission impossible. Well, and you don't, and, you don't want to get too copycatty. Right? Exactly. Had Jason Statham. He's, you know, in the Italian job. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's um, been around a long time. Mechanic. Is Jason Statham? I mean, he must be looking like he, he's getting older. Didn't no, he? we walked out of the movie and I said to Josh, I said, I don't think he's aged. <laughs> That's amazing. He looks exactly Not the same. I don't know if he's still doing all of his own action sequences, but mm-hmm. there was a lot of dating back to like the mechanic and right. he's doing a lot of his own um, martial arts fighting scenes. And so I don't know if it's still him doing all of his scenes, but you know, there was lots of good sort of fighting scenes. Good and for him. Aubrey Plaza. She's from Parks and Rec. Uh, she's sort of. Oh, what did she do there? She starred as, uh, she was the office assistant and Chris Pratt's girlfriend. Oh, I think she's got, she she's like really famous odd... for the deadpan. Yeah. Yeah. I know okay. exactly which one you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. She was also in White Lotus. And so she's in it and, uh, an English rapper named Bugsy Malone and then Hugh Grant plays and he's hilarious. <sighs> you know, I got to give that guy props for somehow man. I mean, I think most actors like him, their career would have been over so long ago. Somehow he manages. Well, he, cause to he plays roles like this. And yeah. it's, he's, he's like this elder, sort of rich playboy kind of yeah. guy with he his can old do glasses. That for the rest of his days. No, it's, yeah. it, and he's, he's got some really funny lines. Yeah. And, uh, there's lots of language and there's fighting, there's violence, but there's minimal sex. It's just more, um, if you don't want to, too deep dive, too much of a mental commitment, just one a thrilling movie. We, I recommend Good. it. Well, yeah, it was easy. There's, there's a space for that kind of, well, one, it's a, that's, 100%. that's the kind of escapism that a lot of people are hoping to see, yes. uh, not getting lectured to, right? Yeah, non, non-agendized. You just mm-hmm. kind of go in and watch the movie and, and okay. leave and feel like you saw, saw some I'm, good action. I'm starting to feel like there's still some hope. No, I know. Well, and then we also watched the, actually it's been a week ago now, we watched the Chris Rock stand-up. And have you seen that? That was yet? on HBO. It was Netflix. Netflix, okay. No, I didn't see. It. Oh, you don't have Netflix. Okay. Going back to the Oscars, since we're talking about the Oscars, going back to the Oscars a year ago during the world famous slap. Okay, can you just tell me about? Okay, I, I never really totally understood what happened there. Okay, I wasn't watching it. I've just okay. watched the replays, and to be honest, I feel like this is a world I can't identify with at okay. all. It's okay. just, it's like a crazy world. So did Chris Rock slap or get slapped? Will Smith right. slapped Chris Rock. So Chris Rock was up there on the stage talking, and then Will Smith come up out of the audience, right? Walked up to the stage and slapped him. Yes, because okay. he was uh, – Making a joke about his wife or something. Yeah, she's got alopecia. The, her hair. Yes, and so she's got her hair. She keeps her hair very short. And Wears wigs probably – yeah, I, I don't, right. I don't know, but um, Chris Rock was making a joke about her hair. That's kind of a low blow, isn't it? I don't know. I maybe that seems a bit personal. But there's been there was some history between okay. them. Right. Okay, I mean, is this like everybody knows this? I mean, is she part she of does. pop culture no, she, in this sense? So she's got a show which I don't watch, but I've only seen clips because they talk about it in other segments. Things called Red Table Talk, and she talks about everything on there. So with with her, nothing is really off limits. So she talks about this herself. Is, oh, I see. Yes. Okay. Well, that kind of makes it fair game. But not. It's even worse than that. She had an affair with her son's friend in an open relationship because she and Will had an open relationship. And they talk about that. Yes. Oh no, it's even worse than that. She. Okay, see, Will Smith. For, for people listening, this is how clues – I know none of this. No, these people are <laughs> literally nutcases. Okay. She No, it gets worse. She interviews Will Smith 
on her red table talk talk about her affairs. about her affair like will how did you feel about me having an affair type of this type of so line bizarre. of questions bizarre people everything's but is this even real though this yeah. sounds like no no this is real and what what's even worse is that everyone was kind of making fun of or questioning like what are you doing will smith you're allowing yourself to be yeah be made a fool of made a fool yeah and so for him, and she's kind of shoving it in his face with that. Yeah, no. She's, Why would he participate in that? Because they're weird. They're weird. Well, I if he's o- if he's okay with all that, then well, clearly he wasn't. <laughs> because now you know we've got time passing, and then Chris Rock makes a joke on stage, right? And Will's, you know, there's there oh, so many psychologists were kind of like going to what was the state of mind and. So is Will really upset or does he feel like he has to do that in order to just reclaim his manhood? Yeah. Yeah. So there's so much complicated stuff going on. Okay. Well, anyway, I didn't, I didn't mean to derail this too much, but that's, so that happened. Was that last year or two years ago? That was a year ago. Okay. So now we were at the Oscars a year later. You know, Will Smith gets himself banned. Chris Rock. Wait, he got himself. He's been banned from the Academy. Because of that incident. For 10 years. Yes, exactly. But the weird thing is that the audience sort of sat there and watched him, and then he went back. They to probably, he now, went back to his seat. They probably thought it was performance. No, 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 not no. after it actually happened. No, he he stomped off, but then he went and sat back down. It's the most. I don't want to belabor are, this, but it's kind of weird to me. So he slapped him like an open-handed slap. Yes. I mean, isn't that kind of weird all by itself? I mean, if you're really. Well, it was a slap punch kind of thing, but I mean, he's way taller. Will Smith is much taller than Chris Rock. Chris Rock brings that up in his, in his stand up. <laughs> how much bigger of a man Will Smith is, but you can see it on stage how much bigger of a man he is. Yeah, I'm not sure you can reclaim your manhood with just a slap. No, I, that is what is wrong with this entire <laughs> situation. These people oh. are. Well, okay. Again, this crazy. is when I think of Hollywood, this is the kind of stupidity I think of now. I don't yeah. think about the great films that they're making. It's this stupid kind of faux celebrity, I don't know, argument. That's all you ever hear about anymore is this stupid stuff. Well, and I, it's this participatory thing too because it's the entire audience participating in this event because mm-hmm. it wasn't just two people where the man was slapping. They all sat there and watched. They all participated. And then he, I think he accepted an award after that. He was back <laughs> on stage. God. And so they, they're all weirdness. just – they're all just out of their minds, I think. I, I Well, isn't it fair to say that from what we can tell, these Hollywood people are not normal, really? Well, I that's probably right. that, they're, they're, that's mostly uh, it. Yeah. They're they're all weird. Well, they're all weird. It seems like most of them are weird. Most of them are into weird things like this relationship. Like to your point, in the olden days, the the image of the movie star was highly crafted. It was it was fake. But it was very well crafted and controlled by the studios and there was always this sense of elegance and, I don't know, high society, almost like an aspirational sense that you, the normal person, could look at these famous, beautiful people and wouldn't it be great to be one of them or to see one of them? That whole mystique, uh, all of that is totally gone. Well, it's like the opposite now. It's almost like a derision that I feel towards these people. Yeah, because we know too much. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, you look back at like Marilyn Monroe's life; her life was riddled with yeah. issues. But at the time, people didn't totally didn't know. they didn't have an awareness. I mean, she was the husband situation. She was the addictions. She, I read a story how she was 
basically sort of a filthy person. I mean, mm-hmm. she just had she ate food in the bed, just like left large chunks of food. She well, had to have, that's a I think a sign of mental illness, probably that kind of thing. Yeah, no, she mm-hmm. had very odd behaviors, and she didn't like didn't didn't shower. Mm-hmm. No one knew that. Right. No one knew that at all because we just it was all protected. Yeah. So, but I mean, back to the comedians. I wanted to get into that because in addition to Chris Rock addressing the Will Smith issue, which he does, he also goes into other subject matter, which at first glance seems very risky. He talks about Meghan Markle. You know, you when you're listening, you're, you, you're sort of like, oh, my gosh, I this shock value. He's saying some things about Meghan Markle. But, you know, South Park did their episode on <laughs> right. Ma- Meghan Markle. They're, yeah, that was pretty. I saw the excerpts of that. They were pretty funny. <laughs> they were pretty funny. It was for harsh. those for those who don't know. Uh, the premise that the South Park goes with is that they're going around the world, shoving themselves into public spaces in front of everybody, holding signs that say, "We just want to be private. Leave us alone." <laughs> but everything they're doing is the is affecting the exact opposite of that, and it's just kind of showing the hypocrisy of their supposed desire for privacy whilst basically shoving their celebrity in your face. <laughs> and by the way, that that could be said of a lot of famous celebrity types that profess, oh, I just want to be left alone. I just want to have a private life. Well, the whole reason but, they apparently left the monarchy, so they said, was to get privacy. And that was the yeah. joke. I mean, who knows what was going on behind the scenes, but that was one of the reasons that they gave. And then shortly after that, they went on Oprah and started – that was the beginning of their Spill the Beans tour. And then it just kept going downhill from there. And then, you know, the latest, the book is released. You know, their whole saga is – it's an interesting thing because he was just loved by the British public, generally speaking, essentially, quote, unquote, war hero. And uh, everybody remembers him – you know, that photo when his mother's um, funeral was there and he saluted. A very heartbreaking little thing to see the kid. But then he gets attached to Meghan Markle and this shift occurs. His behavior changes. The public's attitude about him changes. And of course, he just blames it on, oh, well, everybody's racist because I'm – is Megan mixed race? I think, she is, right? yeah. And so he blames it all on racism, which just makes – it all look even more ridiculous and she jumps on that bandwagon and so they they be they've become pariahs i think to the general british public at least that's kind of how i'm reading it if you if you look at it and hear people talk about it so he went from arguably the favorite royal outside of the queen herself to one of the most derided it's just fascinating to me to see that transition and he walked himself down that path i mean by, and then on doing his own the book, and doing this book that he did where he's basically airing all the dirty laundry between him and his brother i didn't read it but that's what i read about it i just why would you do that and, and thus the the south park episode right if you're wanting to be private then why are you t- telling all of these private things about you and and the most famous family in the world why would you do that Unless you're just trying to make a buck off your celebrity, and in which case you're kind of losing a lot of respect. Well, and that's exactly why they're doing it. Well, don't I, I don't. I mean, they are making lots. Of, they're I, making money. Hand I don't over like fist. to ascribe motives that I don't know for sure. But yeah, I mean, you could certainly make that argument. It, I, there's no doubt about. But the problem the possibility. is, they're going to that well will run dry. Yes, in fact, and so, it feels like that after this. I mean, what's after this? 
What else can they do? This this had to be that book. What was the book called? You remember? Spare. Spare. That that has to be the biggest revelation that he's ever going to be able to do, right? I so mean, he, he let out a lot in that web. Yeah, in that app, I, I can't uh, imagine anything else is going to have as big of an impact or as many sales. I don't know that she's going to be able to do anything like that. So you get the feeling they have peaked to whatever extent they can monetize their well, and they were situation. She did a podcast. I don't even know if it's still. I maybe it's still going. Maybe it's not. I, I think I it was canceled. I, wasn't it with Netflix or something? I don't know. Who uh, well, we're, we're probably with. talking about stuff we don't know for sure, but yeah, yeah. There, nonetheless, no one's talk. Even if it's still running, no one is talking about it right. anymore. And apparently, the cost of production it was so overproduced. There were, I think, she was actually in some cases not even really interviewing the person, and they were inserting her voice in. Like it was. That's going to make for a very uh, non-authentic feeling interview. It no, there were cases like that in the podcast, right. and so I think it did come through as very um, overproduced, contrived, and contrived, yeah. and um, so if she's still doing it, I haven't heard anyone talking about that they're listening to it. So I don't. Know, that's maybe we can fact check that afterwards. It's funny. This whole thing. This we were just talking about the comedians, you know, bringing this up as low hanging fruit, but. That is the weird thing about the royal family is it's always a rabbit hole. And I'm somebody who doesn't even kind of care about these things. And yet I still can fall into this rabbit hole. It, it, there is a fascination with it that, that you have to admit is there. I used to not understand or care about the monarchy my whole entire life uh, through my my early 20s. I just didn't – I didn't understand the meaning of the tr- tradition just because we don't have it here in the United States. But, oh, you mean the, the country itself having a monarchy? Yeah, I didn't understand the purpose of it because we didn't grow up with that here. And I was too young to understand the traditional value of it in another country. And Well, I, I think people, a lot of people debate if there is any value to it. I think now looking at England, it seems to me that there is a value in it. Because after the queen died, you, the value was clear to me if it wasn't even clear before the entire country rallied behind one woman. And well, that is value. She, I think that's valuable. Yes, but I think that's a one and done thing. I don't know that you're going to see that kind and, of and support maybe for Charles. It doesn't appear that way. I don't think he's ever been a, a favored He's not a super charismatic guy. Not a charismatic he's guy. not good looking. No, and the whole thing with Diana Camilla, and yeah, Camilla, there's, it, there's a lot of... Shady past. Yeah, it's, whereas the queen... I mean, love her. I mean, I'm not saying she's this great, wonderful person, but you, you look at her life. She seemed duty driven and kept up a certain um, appearance for herself and for her position. She seemed duty bound. So there was a lot of respect for that, I think, in the UK and having done that for so many decades. I think that's why there was a, there's there's an inherent love for her as their as a representative of their country and their history. So I don't know that you're going to see that. And part of me, I don't, listen, I don't know very much about the royal family, but I always got this feeling that the queen felt like the, the monarchy was in danger of losing relevance or losing its status. And that she was kind of putting out fires to prevent that from happening. And she seemed pretty competent at it by and large you could probably argue the whole diana um, situation maybe she didn't handle well but overall she seems like she's been weathering the storm for an awful long time for an institution whose relevance outside of the potential money making aspect of it tourism etc has waned dramatically 
I don't know that somebody like Charles is going to be anywhere near as competent at managing that as time goes on. But we'll see. We'll see. I yeah. mean, he's he has coronation hasn't even happened yet, so. Well, that's well, that's yeah. true, but I mean, it's yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I think that time will tell. Time will tell. But he's already older anyway, and soon yeah, who I mean, knows how long he's. You got to figure he's not going to stick around for more than I don't know, ten, fifteen years. Is, yeah. how, how old do you think he is? Gosh, I don't know. He's got to be in his seventies, right? He's in his seventies, right? I so do know that. You know, most guys aren't going to live. I don't know. Let's say he gets to ninety. So yeah, you're looking at ten, fifteen years. The outside probably. Yeah. And then I guess it will go to William, William mm-hmm. who does seem – now he seems like he's more competent. And, and it, wasn't there a lot of people saying that Charles should just abdicate in favor of William because oh, he gosh, had – Oh, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, well, anyway, yeah. We don't need to continue now. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't – I'm not that much of a royal. So It is funny as Americans, right, to see We're this so – confused. Uh, this whole monarchy thing because it's the antithesis of what we think our system is. Although we have our own faux monarchs, essentially, with these royal families like the Kennedys and uh, – That's true. That well, kind of thing. is that why we sort of gravitate or lift up, elevate families like the Kennedys? Because I think it's we human are, nature, yeah. honestly. I, yeah, we I, want to have someone to adore. I think you, you always want – yeah, you look at those those big, powerful, wealthy, famous, attractive – whatever family lines. I bet if you go to virtually any country in the world, you're going to see the same kind of thing. Even if they don't have official position like the monarchy has, they're going to have unofficial status like the Kennedys or the Bushes or whatever the big families are historically in the United States. Anyway. Well, I would say I don't know that we have or I don't see any family right now as a family that I feel sort of drawn to in any way in the united states in the united states yeah i kind of i agree with you on that yeah that i'm the, rallying around there isn't or, no no in the same way that hollywood has lost the the blooms off the rose maybe the same thing is happening with the famous american families as well i i think it's all part of the same yeah. dynamic where the bloom has come off the rose via overexposure yeah. and too much information because it was never perfect but we just didn't know mm-hmm and now we do yeah. in so many ways and we just maybe don't like what we see yeah. or I don't or maybe or we, I'm not impressed. Maybe we realize they're just like the rest of us. Exactly. <laughs> like I, it's not – there's no one I'm holding in uh, great esteem, mm-hmm. So, which is a little sad. I feel a little sad about that. It's kind of, and that's my point of human nature. Right? We somehow seemingly want – we yearn to have respect for families or individuals that way and sometimes put them on a pedestal. Un, undeserved, perhaps. That's true. But we seem to have a desire to want to do that. Well, I would say that's true looking back at history. And and look, there's a lot of people in the United States that put the monarchy in England on a pedestal, which is just very confusing because <laughs> the reason we're here is because we said screw, we overthrew the we monarchy. Said, screw you. Yes. <laughs> and yet we said, today, we're so there. far removed from that historically that a lot of Americans look at the monarchy with great regard. So, well. There were those Americans that did not want to overthrow the monarchy. Oh, that's true. <laughs> so is, maybe there it's is an that. outgrowth yes, of this. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but back, let's get back to the comedians because we had, uh, well, Chris Rock came out and said some things about Meghan Markle and, uh, but just in general, his standard routine was sort of throwing bombs out there and, mm-hmm. and maybe making some statements that were made people uncomfortable. Naming names, you mean? Naming names or just saying things you thought were, oh, that's well, he's really pushing the envelope there. He's getting a little wild. But 
It's kind of what you expect, though, for it a is. lot of comedians. No, it is. It is. But then Witty Harrelson, uh, he did a bit on Saturday Night Live about how he had a dream about a pharma company that forces people to take a drug in order for them to go about their daily lives. And all the liberal commentators go crazy as if he's breaking some comedic ground with his edgy COVID comments. Um, these jokes are funny, but they're kind of old news. Yeah. You know, they're it's like so, so late. It's so late. Yeah. It's like, uh, old news being recycled, um, by suddenly courageous Actually, you know, comedians. It, makes, it, it makes me think of if you had paid attention to non-censored Twitter, that's the kind of stuff you would have seen yeah, the whole time. Exactly. So, yeah, because everybody – well, I think most of the listeners know right now where I stand on the whole COVID thing. Yeah. Uh, I mean it's it's obvious that that's what's going on. And so, yeah, just now it, it feels a little disingenuous to all of a sudden pretend like this is avant-garde, pushing the envelope, well, com- social commentary now. Yeah, it's like they stuck their toes out and the water was warm enough and they were felt comfortable to jump yeah, in. They right. just – it's like – yeah. Oh, yeah. You were taking a lot of risks with that, buddy. Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you're late to the party. You know, the food is warm and mm-hmm. everyone's half drunk. But I mean, I'm glad you're here. You know, <laughs> so what do we do with that? What do we do with all these people that are using this old information for new jokes to look edgy? It's like, where were you in the summer of 2021? Okay. Well, let's play devil's advocate. Okay. If you have, if you were part of that whole social group, that was all in on that, not realizing what was going on. And maybe now you've just realized it. Maybe to them, this does feel fresh and new. And that's possible. And I think that that's the case. So I think that that is the case. He felt like he was being fresh and new. And for me, and maybe a lot of his audience uh, feels that way as well. But don't you think, do you think he felt like he was being risky or do you think, I don't think that he took a risk. Chris Rock, my opinion, Chris Rock. Uh, I'm talking opinion. about Woody, but Chris Rock. Also. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. This was Woody you're talking about. I think these guys are usually, comedians are usually pretty highly intelligent and they're usually pretty uh, aware of what's going on. You kind of need to be in order to be a good comedian, right? It's yeah. how you how you kind of find how to do this stuff, especially if you're a comedian about social things that are happening. So I don't know that he really thinks he's being edgy. I think maybe he's trying to just get a little a little credibility, little, pop, a little yeah. credibility back, maybe, maybe by maybe. coming out. And I mean, saying he's not necessarily things. a comedian, so I'm not putting him in the same category That's as Chris true. Rock. That's true. Nonetheless, he was on a comedy show. Doing the, you know, it was his apparently fifth time. Uh, it was Saturday Night Live? Yeah, he yeah. was doing the opening for Saturday and, and Night so Live. And so probably that material was written by the staff. No, I think, no, it was written he, by him. He did his own material? And apparently he didn't tell anyone what he was going to say. Oh, uh, okay. So yeah, no, he came out thinking well, so, he was like guns blazing. Well, okay, then maybe because if if that show is still being written in a very uh, sensorial way where you're not allowed to talk about the COVID stuff yet. And he goes out there and he basically does it anyway. Yeah. He's kind of pushing it a little bit, at least as far as that culture goes, that little micro culture goes, but in the culture at large, yeah. To people like us, it's like, you know, geez, dude, two years too late. Yeah. And I think that that's where I stand. So it's not as funny to us. It's It's not not as, well, it's like, I'm happy. Like I said, I'm happier at the party. (laughs) I'm happier here. So I'm not complaining about that, except that it's just, you're late. Mm -hmm. And so many people lost their jobs and lost their livelihoods beginning in the summer of 2021 when the vaccine push was so strong yeah. that to come out a couple of years later with this like, I'm so 
edgy with my joke. <laughs> by, like, by the way, and just so we're clear how, how bad it, it it's still bad because, uh, Djokovic, the, uh, the best tennis player in the world has been prevented to come and play at the U.S. Open because he's not vaccinated. So it is still U.S. policy that you cannot come in to the United States legally. Uh, well, in the normal methods, like getting on a plane with your passport, uh, you're not allowed in the country. And yet, if you come across the border illegally, they don't care what your status is. And so you could be in a, a funny, full, you could be bringing a full blown, um, measles epidemic. A, a funny <laughs> joke. I wish I could remember who said it, uh, was that he should just, uh, you know, get on a boat and, uh, coming from, um, Bermuda or something and coming to the United States that way because illegals, that's what they do. And they're let in. No problem. Not only that, they're allowed to fly. They're allowed to do basically everything that we are not allowed to do because we didn't have vaccines or any of that stuff. Well, that was happening in the height of COVID and that was one of yeah. the biggest but isn't issues. It, aren't you surprised though? It is still, I was surprised. It is still our policy as a nation. You cannot come into this country through normal legal uh, ways unless you're vaccinated. Wow. I, I, I just, it's astonishing to me. We and should, we should fact check that. We should fact check. Oh that. no, there was there was, was just there were news pieces on this last week. Oh my gosh, yeah. that is and just... it's because he's so famous, right? You know, for okay. tennis for tennis yeah. player. Yeah, like, so everyone's writing States articles about is him. Still not, and the 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 most famous case of this happening uh, was in Australia. Same player. Yes, that they did not let him one. play the Australian Open. Well, they've recently rescinded that, and they're letting him in Australia. I think he did a tournament there or something. Maybe it was the Australian Open this year. I can't remember. Oh, actually, I think it was, and he and then he won his tenth or eleventh. I think, anyway. But the United States, we still will not let him in. The worst it's thing crazy. about this is, is how can you call yourself the whoever wins the Open? How can they call themselves the champion when the champion they ca- they can't even play the current? Uh, listen, I, I'd be willing to bet that the best players in the world are not happy that he's not being allowed to Yeah, because it's not because actually it a takes true away. victory. It, absolutely. It takes away – I don't know who the number two, three, four, five players are. I don't pay attention to tennis much these days. But I'm sure they are not happy that he's not allowed because it absolutely takes away from whatever victory. Whoever wins the U.S. Open knows that Djokovic wasn't there. They didn't play and the didn't most, have to play. Uh, yeah. yeah, the dip most – Now, I don't know. Maybe he's Winning on, his player. Maybe he's kind of on the downswing of his career anyway. I don't know. But yeah. the point is he's the by far the most famous, biggest name in tennis still. And for him not to be there is – It's <sighs> just an insanity. I mean it, it's an insanity. But yeah. you mentioned the border and I – while this is fresh in my mind, I wanted to bring up the tragedy of those – that four those four people that crossed the border – I don't know. I don't know this story. So four individuals crossed the border in Texas and the one of the, the, there was a gal and she was getting a tummy tuck surgery. So there's this town in, um, Texas, I'm sorry, in Mexico that's being advertised. They, there's a lot of low cost sort of, um, surgeries that can get done. Yeah. Down so there. Th- this is something I, maybe people in other parts of the country don't know this, but there is a certain, I don't know what you would call this surgery tourism that occurs. And that's what it is. Yes. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. Because, yes. uh, you can get a procedure done in Mexico for far less than you can in the United States. So a fair number of Americans will make that trip to get a, especially cosmetic surgery done for half yes because cosmetic less. surgery yeah. you usually have to pay out of pocket correct you, you know insurance doesn't cover elective correct. surgeries that way and so, so. you if you you know want to get 
I don't know, like you said, a tummy tuck or whatever, mm-hmm. you could get it for a third the price maybe in Mexico. So people will do that. Of course, you take the risk because the standard of care there, you don't know unless you really know the facility, you know, what's, what's kind of going on there. We certainly have more protections generally here. Not to say that you can't get good procedures in Mexico. I'm sure you can, but it's obviously a lot harder for an American to just assume that is happening. Well, that's even only one aspect of the issue also. So as soon as this there's the four people crossing the border. They had South Carolina plates in a minivan, and within and this a mile, was a legal crossing, a legal crossing, yeah. and they crossed the border. And shortly after they crossed through the border check, they are in this giant firefight with the cartel. Two of the individuals, two of the men, are killed. So they no basically one, get caught in a crossfire. They of get a caught in the crossfire war or something. Yeah, but then they're yanked out of the car and kidnapped. And the one man is severely injured on his leg, and I haven't heard a follow-up, and then the woman is fine. I mean, in a horrific situation. And this is happening right across the border, and then we're expected to, like, oh, yeah, we've got open borders with Mexico. It's a, It doesn't make any sense. There has been a bit of, shall we say, feedback. When I say feedback, almost like a noise, if you want. Internet noise, I'll call it. That... A lot of people in power in the United States at the federal level are at least indirectly co-opted by the cartels. And it's one of the reasons why nothing's actually being done. Uh, also, at, on some state levels, that's being said. It's hard to know how much of that's actually going on, but you can certainly understand it when you consider the amount of money involved here. The cartels have, for practical purposes, pretty much co-opted the Mexican government for decades. We're talking billions and billions of dollars here. I mean, would this it's, be like lobbying money or yeah, who knows, but it's, who knows it's, how it's filtering Yeah, it's got to be really kind of behind the scenes dark situation because you're talking about some serious illegalities going on here. But you could be a cartel funneling that money into what would be legal lobbying um, under yeah. humanitarian – Well, imagine this. Uh, think uh, about in the old days uh, with the mafia, right? There was there was the, the stuff that they did which was blatantly illegal and then they would use more legitimate fronts as a way of then – laundering that money the dry through. cleaner <laughs> yeah, the dry cleaner you know whatever <laughs> i mean people, you, everybody's seen the movies i think most people but the the cartels we're we're talking about a whole nother level here i mean the amount of money that we're talking with the cartel i don't think people really appreciate how powerful how wealthy and how vicious the cartels are and so it's completely possible to me that elements of the government and individuals in the government have been bought off shall we say and um, well, the that's vicious- something we really need to start taking seriously, I believe. Well, I think the viciousness of what happened to these four people basically recorded. I mean, it's on vi- – you can see it happening. There's cameras. Right. And it's just right there. You can't hide it. This wasn't – and these weren't like drug people where you could say, oh, you know, they're killing their own or mm-hmm. – or some shady circumstances were just like innocent Americans just like driving along. I'm going to go get my surgery. Right. And and next thing they know, they're just in this horrific gunfight and, and kidnapped. And who knows what happened to the woman? I don't know. You know, kidnaps, kidnappings used to be, I think, a lot more common years ago of Americans. It, by the way, historically, this is 
this has gone on for a very long time. This this was a really common thing. In, in fact, uh, in the Marine Corps, we're always taught about the Barbary Pirates. Well, the Barbary Pirates, uh, late 1700s into the 1800s, their whole way they made money was capturing Americans and Europeans and uh, kidnapping them and then selling them for ransom. That was how they funded their whole economy was that. And finally, I think it was um, – Jefferson, I believe, had enough of it, and he sent in the Marines. You know, so it's part of a, a Marine lore. The marine lore, okay. Uh, to uh, to put them down, call them the Barbary pirates. But where is that? Where uh, that's is North the Barbary, a- North North Africa. Africa, North Africa, yeah, North East Africa, uh, North West, West Africa, North West Africa, yeah, yeah. like Ivory Coast, like yeah. okay. Well, no, the Ivory Coast is on the uh, Atlantic's side. So we're talking about the North, the Mediterranean. Oh, Mediterranean. Yeah. Now okay. there there also was an area. Um, just past the Strait of Gibraltar going uh, south. Okay. That also could, you know, be a okay. sketchy area. But, um, anyway, so there's, there's always been money in kidnapping and Mexico used to, there used to be a fair number of kidnappings of Americans in Mexico over the years. And it's dangerous behavior because if, if, uh, on their part though, it's a little bit risky because otherwise it, the government can say, Oh, we've had enough. And <laughs> well, they can just come in and do something. Now, what you're saying is this story is so horrific. Maybe the U S government is going to, to respond. But, but here's the follow up on that. Apparently, and who knows if these are the guys that really did it, but the cartel people either killed them or brought them out. They might've been dead. And there were five people and basically left them on the side of the road with a uh, note saying they were sorry that that happened because they knew that yeah they they don't want the heat they don't want the heat yeah. but I mean it's too late I mean there's you already have taken the You've lives seen what's yeah, going on yeah exactly yeah I uh, was uh, listen all extremely large crime syndicates have to thread that needle of we got to keep the money flowing we got to keep our illegal activity going but we got to make sure that we keep the political powers either bought off or out of our business out of our business yeah. for whatever way we can and so do that. they they get they get nervous and some states you know states governors have a lot of power here too and i don't texas you know they, they probably don't want to mess around with texas yeah. you know you'd be a lot smarter to do it probably with california but. exactly <laughs> anyway. i don't think newsom's gonna do much there yeah. well okay let's switch gears and talk about what's going on with the banks right so a- the big news is so we're recording this monday the 13th I think. yes so on Friday was they closed the SVB Bank, which yes. is the Silicon Valley or no Silicon Silicon Valley Va- Bank Valley Bank. Yeah, yes. The SVB was in. closed on Friday, mm-hmm. right? So th- two days ago, three days ago. Big big story. Um, tens of billions of dollars, or is it more than that? I think it's tens of billions of dollars. And from what I could tell, just to keep it simple, the reason the bank failed was because. Um, their position, they had bought a lot of bonds that were low interest rate bonds. And that was fine. But since the Fed has started raising interest rates, the bonds that the, the bank had purchased, and they had a, apparently a very large position in that market, were losing value because the interest rate is less. And so a 20-year bond at, I don't know, Two percent is not going to have anywhere near the value as a twenty-year bond at four percent, for instance. Which the bonds are up in that rate now, and right. this precipitate. The reason they bought all these bonds, from what I gather, is that they had such a high influx of depositors, they needed to get that, get needed, that cash yeah, somewhere. To go somewhere. So then they put and, in the and bonds. The SVB Bank, uh, you know, it's hard to know when you're reading this stuff, but very it hard. Sounds to know. and like this is complicated, and we aren't. It bankers, is complicated. So. Yeah, yeah, but it sounds like they're. Their whole niche was 
high cash startups, lots of money coming in and the need for a a lot of liquidity in those, those dollars. I even saw an article where if you were a startup and you were getting venture capital, the, the, the VCs would basically, shall we say, highly encourage you to use SVB bank. So for whatever reason, the VCs themselves really, that's, that's the bank they wanted you to use. So this bank had kind of cornered the market in these types of, of businesses. And that's why it's had a large repercussion in Silicon Valley, not just because they're based there, but because that's the kind of business that they cater to. Yes. And, and uh, they did have some regional offices in the UK and, uh, and I think a few other places. And then one of the, I don't know, disturbing funny slash disturbing stories was the uh the, the risk officer the risk officer yes in her. the uk branch she's been being made fun of if you will on the internet twitter etc because instead of worrying about their risk position for the last few months she's been doing what well she has been doing uh busy organizing a month-long pride campaign and a lesbian visibility day <laughs> Daily Mail is saying SVB had no head of risk assessment for nine months before it collapsed yeah. as the woke boss for Europe, Middle East, and Africa was busy organizing. And I yeah. just said that. Nonetheless, it, it doesn't sound like uh, she was focusing on her job. She was no. spending a lot more time on her, you know, putting more right. efforts into pro-diversity roles than she was on assessing their risk. And, you know, I did hear someone else, and they were talking about this, the bond situation that they blamed. It does sound for real. Nonetheless, the Fed has been saying that they were going to be raising interest rates for the past oh, yeah. couple of years. Oh, yeah. This has been going on for years. So this – they knew they were going to end up in a situation where bond rates were going to go you over – You would think. I mean – What they were currently holding. Yeah. So there's uh, – they, 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 they had their – I believe that they had their heads elsewhere. We don't know what was going on behind We don't the know scenes. what's going on. Nonetheless, and, and These things tend to be so their, complicated yes. and, and, and who the hell knows. This whole thing could just be a fake story trying to obfuscate what's really gone on. We, we don't know. We don't know. One thing we do know is that the government has essentially – bailed out all the depositors. So in the United States, anything 250000 or lower is protected by the FDIC. So you won't lose your money if and a bank fails. However, anything above that, let's say you have $500,000 in an account, then you, if the bank fails completely, then you would be, you would lose that two hundred fifty. I do have to say that it is per depositor. And so if you are in a joint account with your spouse, that's up to 500000 Oh, I see. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, so it's per there person. is some ways right. to, to increase, increase your that. insurance holdings at a given bank. Like if you have a child, a custodial account for a child, that is another $250,000. Right. So there are ways to, but to, to do that. People with lots of money, um, they're going to, they're going to run outside that. Yes. Because it is very quickly. They combine checking and saving. So it is mm-hmm. not accounts like it's it not is, based on accounts. It's based on the depositor, the exactly. person. I gotcha. Exactly. Okay. So you can't just like, oh, I've got a checking and I've got a savings. Nope. That's not, that's not <laughs> right. good enough. But okay. some of these depositors up at SVB were huge. Yeah. And so the question comes that you and I were talking about before we started today is, is it worth bailing out these individual depositors? And what we've heard over the weekend is that Janet Yellen has come up with a sort of a scheme to... <sighs> yeah. So what they've done is the the FDIC, the Federal Deposit Insurance Company, whatever they're Corporation, called, huh? they, what they do is they... They get fees from the banks for this quote unquote insurance. And then the, apparently the government just puts that money in a big account. Well, that account has a hundred billion dollars or more in it. 
And what they're doing is they're using the money that they had to cover all of the depositors so that even if you had well above 250000 uh, you're going to be protected. So it's a kind of bailout of the depositor. Now, Janet Yellen went on in the media and said we are not bailing out the bank. And what she means by that is they are not bailing out the stockholders of the bank itself. So if you had stock in that bank and that stock goes to zero or – and I don't know if that's already happened, essentially zero. I believe it is at zero, um, yes. Then they, you're not going to get your money. They're not going to save you. And the way that they're playing – trying to play this politically is that only the wealthy people have the stocks, right? So the depositors, the little guys, we're saving every all those people. Well, I don't I, – to me, it almost feels like the opposite because if my mutual fund had money in SVV Bank, I'm not a wealthy guy. My portfolio just got hammered because of this yeah. bank and other banks. So I've lost money. I didn't have money in there. So – Am I the quote unquote rich guy paying the price? Meanwhile, there could be a guy there with, I don't know, $200 million there and he's going to be made whole completely. He's not going to lose a dime. So once again, this definitely feels like a bailout in a lot of ways, even though they're trying to make it sound like that's not that it's not. My counterpoint to that is from what I've been reading is there's a lot of companies that have small business because this is so much of this is from VC money. There are a lot of businesses that have they're holding deposits sure. at this bank yeah. that those are a lot of payroll accounts. Sure. And so here's an interesting thing. Now a payroll company, you can have money in one account and the payroll company can be using SVB as their payroll draw account. So your money can just flush through SVB for a matter of two days until payroll funds. Mm -hmm. There are companies out there that had their money there during this 24-hour, 36-hour period where the money's just lost. Right. They don't even bank at SVB. It's just the payroll company was flushing they, through uh, there. I, I saw there was a thing on Etsy had said, made a public statement that they're, I don't know, members or whatever. It's like a storefront, right? They're Etsy. storefronts, yeah. Um, that apparently they used F SVB on some level. And so it, they didn't say you weren't going to get your money, but that there was be a delay in payments. So they must have, and obviously- And it, and it could have been a situation like that where maybe that individual depositor is not there, but they're somehow affected. And so if you've got your payroll running through that, you know, even if it is, you are an account holder there or you're just flushing through there for- a short period of time till your payroll funds and suddenly people aren't getting their paychecks. Like, I don't know who's to blame for that. I don't, there are a few things that the government needs to do well. And one of them is banking regulations. So this does not happen to. I almost feel like though the, the opposite has happened. The banking is so regulated that it creates these problems in a lot of ways. Uh, and, you know, this might be something for us to research in the future. Um, I would because, like to know more about um, this. One of the effects of the 2008 collapse, yes, lots of regulation, was that all of no, lots of regulation, but with the exception of Lehman Brothers, all of the big banks just basically acquired all the regional banks. So there used to be a lot of small regional banks throughout the country. They're pretty much gone, and now you just have you know the five, ten big banks that pretty much control banking in the entire country now. And a regional bank, it's almost impossible for a regional bank to come up because they can't afford the regulations. And Stossel's talked about this, John Stossel. He says that large companies sign on with regulation, even though you think it's not in their best interest, they usually go along with it 
and support it because it prevents any small it's companies. It's a barrier to entry. It's a, it's a, and it's a, and in the case of banking, it is such a big ba- uh, barrier. You basically cannot get a, a small bank to get started up. It's not possible. And that's because of the overregulation. And we need community banks. And, and think about the irony of this, though, that to whatever extent big banks were complicit in the collapse of 2008, they basically acquired all of their regional competition. That Which was the, is just sickening. Yeah, it's just it's crazy. Anyway, this it's a big topic, and even though it, it's kind of dry and uninteresting to a lot of people, we have to as as free citizens in a capitalistic society, or at least one that we want to try to be capitalistic, we have to be aware of what's going on here on on a certain level. We cannot just put our heads in the sand and pretend that this stuff is too complicated and it's out of our control. We we need to have some understanding and awareness. Or else we're going to be in trouble. And then we're going to wake up one day and say, what the hell happened? Well, I think that's, we are going to wonder. We actually, if you're someone who was supposed to get paid last Friday. Yeah. And, and didn't, suddenly, and didn't you didn't. This, yeah. And you're innocent, you know, to a certain extent. You're, you're basically an employee in a company. Are you going to your boss and you're saying, well, I, I'm looking at your, <laughs> what, what, I mean, maybe you are, maybe you aren't. But if you're just a guy who's just going about your day. You're not act. All you want is your paycheck on Friday. So is Janet Yellen's responsibility to make sure you get your paycheck? I feel like she's got. It's not for her to go to Ukraine and tell Ukraine we're going to be with them to the end. Yeah, which is a whole different subject. How much money have we spent in the Ukraine, right? Yeah, and all of that money could have been used for this bailout. Yeah, and so she's she's over in Ukraine. I know people can do two things at one time, and they can do three or four things at one time. Nonetheless, she was in Ukraine a month ago. Pledging our dying, you know, souls to the end, and then we've got the biggest, second and, biggest and, bank. And bank by the way, the uh, there States. was another bank, Signature Bank. Signature Bank, yeah. It also basically failed. That's back east. I think based back east, right? And I think there was one in the UK. I want to say is failed or is expected to. You know, this could spread. That's possible. We could be looking at the beginning of a bigger problem here. But if you're saying, okay, the bonds were an issue in. Two years ago, bond, you had bought these bonds. You're in these bonds and you're seeing that the interest rates are going up and you've got time marching along. What are you doing to mitigate that? Assuming that's even the real cause here. Yeah, but you're right. Exactly. So there, there's obviously in a bank failure, there has to be a fair amount of incompetence no matter what. Well, we've got or corruption. The, yeah. The blaming of the bonds. And then we've got quote unquote risk assessment person taking care of stuff that has nothing to do with Not to be this. fair, I mean, her position was in the UK, so it's specific to that region, I assume. Yes. Um, but anyway, yeah. It, just the idea of it, that that's, that's what you're focusing on. And by the way, you could make that complaint for almost any large company in the world nowadays. They have this massive obsession with diversity, equity, inclusion, DEI. Which I had a friend request that we actually do a podcast on that specifically. Yeah, I, th- I think that's probably something we should we should look at because I don't know that the average American is aware of the, the extent to which that is affecting your life now because these companies, they're truly obsessed with it. And they're obsessed with it in ways that you might not expect. Everything from a lot of books now are being rewritten to remove Roll doll, objectional, no one's, no one's yeah, fat well, anymore. You yeah, you know, <laughs> or, as an example, yeah. that's uh, the guy who wrote um, Charlie Jane, and Jack, Chocolate Factory. Charlie and Jack, I mean, right. he's written. I mean, James Giant Peach. James Giant Peach, right? Yeah. And so they're they're rewriting these things, and 
Mark Twain, I'm sure, is going to be on oh, the chopping block if not already. Yeah. Well, you know, Huckleberry um, Finn, I think there's Huck Finn. Yeah. Yeah. So. Anyway, and that's just, you know, that level, the way products are marketed, manufactured. So it, it's, a, it's, it's kind of, it's almost like a disease that's just spreading. Well, it goes full circle back to what we were saying with Netflix. Yeah, exactly. It's, right. it's what she said she wanted. Yeah. She, she bragged about the fact that she injected the agenda into all of their productions, which right there is, is a version of DEI. Yeah, absolutely. Well, before anyway, we yeah. leave the banking, I want it, we wanted just to do a final, just, uh, rundown of world famous Jim Cramer and his mad money <laughs> right. craziness. Because yeah, for those who don't know, there's this, there's this guy named Jim Cramer. You probably have heard his voice. You've probably seen him on TV. It's on, is that CNNBC? Uh, he is on, yeah. He's so he on has this show called CNBC, Mad Money. CNBC, Mad But he's money. had it for, I don't know, 20 years or something. It seems like it's been forever. And he talks real loud. Like that. He's like, and they used to have you this. You almost have a heart attack watching yeah, him. Your blood pressure yeah, goes you're just, up. Just watching him because he's kind of high energy and he used to do this thing where he'd say, and I say bye, you know, and it was just, it's just way over the top. Theatrical. Very theatrical, um, purporting to be a kind of financial, I, I don't know if they're allowed to call it financial advice, but financial information, shall we say. And a month ago, he did a show talking about amongst other things, SVB, and essentially said what? Do you have a quote? Yeah, this is a February episode. The ninth- So a month and uh, five weeks ago. Yeah. this is These are the words of Jim Cramer, quote, The ninth best performer to date has been SVB, Financial, the bank's parent company. Don't yawn. He's basically saying it's a buy, right? Yeah, and then he says uh, Kramer listed SVB Financial among his biggest winners of 2023 <laughs> so far alongside other blue chip stocks. This company is a merchant bank with a deposit base that Wall Street has mistakenly been concerned by. Yeah, so at that point, even then, apparently, Wall Street knew uh, that there was maybe some danger ahead for them. And he's basically running interference for them and saying, oh, no, everything's fine. Oh, yeah, here's a final quote. He said the stock was the fourth worst performer of 2022. Though it was worth buying because being a banker to these immense pools of capital has always been very good business. I mean, it's so atrocious that I was, my husband and I were like, was he being paid by them to mitigate a run? Like what caused him to say this? I it's mean, insane. I can't say that obviously we can't say that we can't say right? that. but what but was the motivation does it is it within the realm of possibility oh, i mean it just feels like yeah it's it absolutely is possible because is and this isn't the first time he specifically has been very very wrong within short a period of time on on a topic like this so i don't know if anybody listening to this would ever take it seriously anything jim kramer says but if you did please be aware that from this moment on it's on you not on him because he's he just doesn't know what he's talking about i will tell or you he's let me tell covering. you my jim kramer uh oh yeah you have one. like 15 years I, I don't know when it was i'm gonna say 15 years ago a long time ago he was on a financial show i don't know if he was doing mad money at the time i can't remember he was saying Ford was a buy. Okay. And he was very emphatic about it. And I was sort of new to the stock market. And I was trying to like look at different investors. I bought some Ford. I didn't buy a lot, but it was a lot of money to but me at his, the time. But his uh, endorsement was uh, an impact. It made an impact on your decision. Made an impact. Oh, it was. It was the reason? Not the reason, but I mean, it was a huge reason that caused me to look at it. And then I'm like, right. I used his information to sort of balance what I was finding and purchased uh, this Ford stock. It was a complete dog. 
<laughs> Maybe it was a long-term hold. I don't know. I haven't yeah. looked at Ford lately. Um, but I sold it at a loss and yeah. it was a, it was a terrible choice. And I never forgot that because he was so earnest about his recommendation yeah. in his dramatic theatrical way. That's, I think the problem with him is he's so earnest that he says stuff that's very. He's, he's like the financial world's example of an influential guru. Yeah. Well, I mean, he, <laughs> and you I guess, want to believe him, right? <laughs> I just don't know, understand how he's still on the air, but I think that this, this well, now is this happening one month ago and him being so sure and literally telling people to buy is so questionable to me. I think now, because of of Twitter and social media, this particular incident is it's got to do him in. I don't see him reco- recovering from this. If he has a show in a year, I'm going to be very surprised. I'll, I'll be surprised. Let's check too. back. Yeah, yeah, that, let's it'll check, be interesting. Let's interesting to see Jim Cramer and his mad money, <laughs> right? And I mean, not the he'll care because I'm sure he's made his zillions of dollars yeah. and 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 he can retire now because he's been doing this for so long. But um, please don't take advice from from TV financial people because they they have an agenda. Minimally, it's just because they want to be on TV and they're going to say what they think that they're supposed to say to get there. But, However, wouldn't you think though that you're going to be more popular when you have good stock pick, stock picks? That assumes that people are going to pay attention and follow up. I don't it's know. The follow up. Do you ever see a follow up? I, I no. I mean, I there, don't. I do remember. Who's the? Um, is it on Fox Business? It's just the large, uh, large man, black guy, kind of a financial. Oh, guy. I love that guy. Um, I'm trying to remember his name. Anyway, I, I really like. him. I seem to remember him either in his show or being on a show where they would they would talk about the the five or six guys and say, okay, well, here were my predictions last year, and here's how we did. But it's really kind of done, done in tongue in cheek. It's not, they're not serious about it. So nobody really does follow up on the advice of these people. I don't watch enough of these guys to actually track anything. It's occasionally if the TV's on. I kind of feel, you know what I feel like? Jim Cramer is on. If you're in the financial world, he's mildly entertaining. You're going about your business. It's kind of, he's on in the background. They got the little ticker tape there. <laughs> so yeah. you're not really. It's not, stressful even watching it because they have the ticker tapes are going all the direct, directions. Yeah. He's yelling at the TV. So if you don't know what's going on. If you're on. in the financial world, maybe you have him on in the background just cause. Just but you're not it. taking any advice from him. He's like, <laughs> look at this guy. Right. Look at this guy yelling at the TV over here. And maybe you're looking at it like, ah, maybe one day I'll have that gig. <laughs> maybe. Maybe that's it. Maybe anyway. That's it. Uh, yeah, so I suppose there will be more fallout from this whole bank thing. I okay. don't think we're done with this, but I mean, hopefully, fingers crossed, we're past the worst of it. But I, I, I get so. the feeling. I don't know. I don't we don't know. We are. No, I, don't I think, think we are. It, this, as of today, Monday, the Monday following the Friday, I think it's way too early for us to tell. Yeah. And also, we started recording today as the stock market is closing too. So I don't know how. Yeah, there could have been everything another, ended yeah. at the closing bell. I'm not sure. And so well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to admit something. What's that? So. My portfolio, okay. my, which is because yes. I'm essentially self-employed. So whatever money I retire with beyond Social Security is whatever money I've saved. And uh, I have not looked at it. I've literally not looked at it since COVID. You're probably better off. Yeah, Just that's wait why. about five more years. Maybe. I know, right? Because <laughs> I, I know so. people who have, you know, they, you know, nobody ever tells you how bad they've done, but – it's not been pretty. And so I'm just like out of sight, out of mind. And I just, I still send checks to it. Well, you you're know, doing some so dollar cost averaging. I got then. my dollar cost averaging going, <laughs> right. but I, I am one of those people because I'm young enough now. I don't, it's okay. I should be able to weather the storm before I need the money. But, um, I have, I have no idea 
where I'm at right now. <laughs> well, this is what I want to do because we're going to do these. So in the future, and we'll talk about this more, but in the future, I want to, we're going to do these sort of current episodes once a month. And then once a month, we're going to do a deep dive. So that way we're kind of catching current topics. Yeah, right. Okay. Good. And during these current topics episodes, we'll sort of follow up. We'll okay. follow, we'll follow Jim Kramer All right, and his see. career. He's just going to be our guy that we're going to follow. It's going to be our, our punching bag. I was going to say punching bag. I thought that might be too mean. So thank well, you. Are, you said are, it for are, me. Are, yeah. Okay. A little say later. We should edit this out. No, no. We'll keep okay. it in. Okay. Our, our audience can handle it. They can. Okay. Well, let's switch gears. Okay. Wind farms. Tell me about okay, wind farms so, and then those poor whales. Yeah. What's happening so, with them? We don't know for sure, um, but there's been a number of pieces the last, I want to say last couple months, that have been published talking about an apparent increase in whales washing up on, on the shore. Uh, usually they die as a result of that, even if a, even if a whale is alive when he comes ashore. They're so massive, you can't pull them back into yeah, the ocean most of the time. So uh, this has been happening a lot on the East Coast of the United States, and it seems to correlate with the location and um, density of, of the offshore wind farms. Now, I don't know that we can prove that there is a correlation there, but when the, with the people writing the pieces, they're certainly implying that there is. Also, I believe there's been some incidents in Europe that kind of indicate a similar pattern. And it's not that we have a lot of detail about this. Certainly you're if you go searching the topic, you'll see some of the the pieces written about it. But one of the things I said to you Aaron was if you are a person who believes that uh, we're all going to be dead in 5 years like uh, Greta Thunberg said and an AOC <laughs> and AOC because we're not stopping fossil fuels and therefore we have to have wind farms. Are you willing to accept the whales species as collateral damage? I'm just curious about that because I suspect that some of the people will say yes, that we're willing to do that. On the other hand, to me, I think it would cause a major conflict within that, I would say, ideology. Because typically, if you're in that ideology, you're also really big on conservation of the species, which by the way, I am. But I wonder, are you willing Where to- Where do you draw the line? Yeah. Are you willing to go that far? Because what if that's the case? What if what if we cannot do, if we find out we can't, essentially cannot do those kind of wind generations without destroying So large, we have a certain amount of collateral damage, yeah. right? Whatever we're going to have- Yeah. Five percent or something, or or more, right? And and the problem with a species like the whale is that they're long lived. So when you have a significant number of them dying, they they don't get replaced quickly. I mean, we know this because as we've uh, basically, for the most part, whaling is not done globally, with very few exceptions, and it's taken an incredible long time for some of the whale species to recover. Some of which we still have never recovered. Um, and of course, some of them went extinct. So it, this could be a huge problem. And I just wonder what people really think about it. Well, you know, in on the East Coast, they're also having some issues with whale strikes where boats hit whales. Yes, that's been happening for a long and time. And that's been yeah. happening. But 
there is now legislation, and I don't know where, how far it's gone down the pike, but where they want. Just, just so we're clear. So a whale strike is when usually a large vessel hits a whale and, and either kills or severely injures the whale. Yes. Um, thank you. Yes. And they're wanting to pass legislation. And I, and I, I don't have a lot of the background on this and I can next time we talk to follow up, but they're wanting to slow down boats within a certain mile mm-hmm. from the coastline. And so if they're going slower, then they will be able to avoid these right. whale strikes until they're pretty far out. And what they've, what they've done though, is that they, they're trying to extend that distance from shore to offshore on these boats going slow. And what it's doing though to the commercial fishing industry is that it's going to take them forever to get to the fishing grounds mm. because when they're within five miles, 10 miles, 20, whatever that distance offshore is, right. they can't go anywhere. They're, they're doing like, yeah, take, take it three days to go. <laughs> exactly. And so they can't, you can't actually even make it have a successful venture having to spend so much time getting to your fishing grounds. And so. They're very willing to pass this legislation to save the whales, to slow down these commercial vessels. Yet, are they willing to say, take if they find out that the wind farms are causing whale death? Yeah, are they willing to take yeah. the same measures to stop the wind farms or change, do something different? And to be clear, we're not sure if it's the wind yeah. farms. However, it, it seems to be in the area of the wind farms. Right. There does seem to be some kind of correlation, but we don't know what it is. We do, and and if there is, we don't know what the actual cause is. What what about the wind farms is causing it? If it is, um, could be vibration. Could be, it could yeah. be. Uh, we were saying that earlier. You were telling me that the whales. There's so much ocean noise now. Maybe right. that's in, in, in contributing to ocean noise, so it's making it hard for them to communicate. Could be, uh, oh, and it could be disorienting them yeah. somehow. Whales, uh, they they can hear at frequencies well below what human hearing hearing has and maybe these wind farms are generating some kind of um of low frequency that's causing them to malfunction cognitively uh it's really it's you know it's all speculation at this point and it is possible well okay so in wind farms one thing we, we did know we noticed early on right was the bird uh, oh, all, yeah, all the, the bird, bird strikes. strikes that were happening which is i i still don't quite understand why birds get struck by them. You'd think that they could avoid them. Birds always seem to avoid everything, <laughs> but something about those large, um, they can't time the rotation. Yeah, they maybe, can't time or... it or they, maybe they don't even see it because their vision maybe operates, uh, in a way that they don't, their perce- depth perception, they don't perception. perceive that as a problem. I don't know, but, um, my understanding is they have come up with some mitigation on that, but I don't think they've had full mitigation on that either. So, so what do the environmentalists do? Yeah, what do face the conundrum? And I don't even like to use the term environmentalist, but let's say people that you think all humanity should be subservient to the preservation of other species. If you subscribe to that, then if your wind farms are killing the whales, are you going to be willing to say, okay, well, wind energy as currently constituted is is a no go? Well, I don't know how I haven't looked lately into wind energy i don't know how efficient it is what the return is well honestly on investment okay so i mean and we didn't really talk about this but there were some pieces recently published in the past few weeks about how uh, europe uh, has basically started shifting back to fossil fuels 
because the renewables are they're really not panning out the way everybody had hoped for. They're not consistent. I mean, it kind of makes sense, right? Wind yeah, is not absolutely. wind is not consistent. Sun energy is not consistent. And even when it is happening, it can happen uh, way in excess of your need. So you and without massive, expensive, and by the way, essentially toxic battery technology, you can't storage. capture that. Yeah, it's right? the capturing of the. This is one of the things that was so amazing about fossil fuels, right? Is that it's captured energy that's really easy to store and transport for long periods of time. It, it, it's so much more efficient in that aspect logistically than the renewable stuff is. Renewable energy logistically is kind of a nightmare. It's usually either feast or famine. Either you have too much of it or not enough of it. And when you have too much of it, you just kind of have to throw the excess away. You can't – it's very difficult to capture that. You don't throw away excess coal. Right, right. The coal is just <laughs> – you know, it, it just still don't. sits there, right? Yeah, it still it sits, sits there, there for, for, for the next time or yeah. oil or any of our of our uh, fossil fuels. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't have as part of our overall energy policy these renewable technologies. Obviously, we should, they can be a part of the portfolio. But this – this notion that you're going to get rid of false, it just, it's just, it's just so impractical. We need to have a diversified approach. You've got to have it. Yeah, of yeah. course you do. And by the way, even diversified with fossil fuels, like I wouldn't want to be 100% coal. It would make sense that if you're going to have whatever your fossil fuel is, you want to have a, that diverse. Well, you've got oil, you've got coal, we've got natural gas, you know, you've got the whole set of, of options there so that you're never dependent on any one thing. Anyway, it's, that's an interesting topic to me that I, th- I think some people might, if you weren't aware of it, it's something to look into because it's a little, it's kind of bubbling under the surface, uh, as a, as a real potential problem. And I, for one, I, I think I'm, I'm willing to state here that I am not a, a believer in wind energy to the extent that I would sacrifice the whales. I, I am 100% not in that category. I, am I, not I, in that I, category I don't think either. that would be at all necessary. Because I think there are other things that are not good about wind, wind energy. That just seems to be a yet another. Another one, right. Yeah. I mean, like you said, you've got the bird strikes. They're ugly. Yeah. And they also, I don't really know where they're put on the East Coast, what part of the ocean they're in, but it seems like once it becomes a wind farm, you can't actually put a boat there either. You're not, yeah. it's not a fishing ground then at that point. Yeah, that's a good question. I or even yeah. recreate. Yeah, how does that affect the little, the micro ecosystem of that? Exactly. Area? Yeah, What's under know. the ground there What's too? Happening? Are there, is right. it creating coral reefs? I mean, are reefs growing up around these right. things that are going to the, to the bot, the seafloor? Yeah. See, these are questions I don't think that people, when they just think, oh, we want renewables. I don't, the details matter. Absolutely. <laughs> they really do. They matter. And, and that stuff needs to be looked into. So speaking of details, what about Greta? The queen of Segway, you are. Yes, I know. Well, <laughs> so, I mean, we're on environmental yeah, kind stuff. Kind of on, on the, that, that whole topic. So Greta has been kind of pilloried in the, uh, the Twitter sphere and the internet because in 2018, she tweeted, a, I believe it was essentially a quote, uh, that said something to the effect of scientists say that unless we stop using fossil fuels, humanity will perish on earth within five years. That was done in 2018. Well, okay, fine. And she was, pretty young i'm sure when she tweeted. she was about like 15, 15 years old so you know she's a teenager right teenager, that's but, the kind of thing. but the thing that she's getting criticized for is not that tweet but that that tweet was mysteriously deleted recently <laughs> <laughs> yeah she's like oh 14 15 year old yeah. self was not saying yeah. good stuff so you know i to me if i'm greta okay 
I would say, you know what? I was 15. Okay. I was wrong. I was 15. Get off my back. But I'm not going to, you know, quietly delete it as if it never happened because then that makes you look like you're. But that's who, that's who she is well, though. Yeah. That she is someone who will quietly delete that. Right. Or her people. I mean, I or don't, her I people, always get her the handlers. Yeah, I don't I, even Don't you know. always get the impression that she's actually being managed? She is definitely being, I mean, she was a like, child. Like, I don't know. But, but all How the much pictures, of this is actually her? I, I mean, I don't know. It's a very – she is her own industry. But I remember – I think it might have been in 2018. So many people when she was sort of coming up and her you know, environmental activism was sort of mm-hmm. being broadcast worldwide and all these people are, oh, Greta. Oh, my gosh. If my child could only be this way and, and just saying all kinds of statements like that. It's like, no. She's saying ridiculous things like we're going to be – you know. I just remember that, and I don't know what year it was, but where she's on, she's being televised and she gets that look of scorn and disdain and says, furrowed brow. How dare you? And I don't even remember what the context was, but. No, but the worst thing is that whoever she said that to was, said that to was like shaking in his boots. (laughs) Like you're scared of a 16 year old. (laughs) This is, uh, anyway. But it's, it's, it is a, Reflection of the state of things. Well, there, Some, a, a, an angry, furrowed, browed, overly managed teenager is angry at you, and you're going to make you know sweeping legislation changes that right. affect the entire so, United States or entire UK because this girl says so. Who I, then goes back and secretly deletes her tweets? There is a thing in in human nature. Uh, I think I've said this to you before that it's always the young men who fight the revolutions. Okay. It's never going to be anybody. It's not gonna be old men. It's not going to be the women. So if you can convince young impressionable men about a thing, i.e., I don't know, the Russian revolution, whatever the the French revolution for that matter, that's even the Arab spring or the Arabs. Exactly. It's, it's always young men because they're the ones that are willing to engage usually in the violence required for these things to occur. And also are young enough that they can be manipulated without even realizing they're being manipulated. But young people in general are prone to this, and uh, women are too, girls are too, if not maybe on the more violent extreme part of it, but at least in the philosophical aspect of it. And so if you think about it, all of the doom and gloom happens every 10 years because you have another set of young, impressionable teenagers, and you're going to tell them the same thing they told Greta, that in five years, the planet's going to be dead, and therefore we have to do all these crazy things. And I mean, this has been going on for, I don't know, at least probably since the industrial revolution started, okay, where the world, we were going to destroy the planet. It's not happened. It's not going to happen. And if you're a young person listening to this now, please just take with a grain of salt anything that you're being told about how we're all going to die because grandma is using natural gas on her stove, okay? It, 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 it's, it's not, it's not what they say. Uh, now that doesn't mean that there aren't consequences for the way we as humans behave as, in the large as stewards of the planet. Okay. So just because I'm saying the doom and gloom that we're going to all die in five years is ridiculous doesn't mean I'm not saying that we don't pretend like we have no impact on the planet. Obviously we do. But there, you have to approach these things with intelligence and understanding and knowledge and not turn it into a religious experience whereby you're going to, uh, 
without grandma's knowledge, disconnect her gas line because you think you're saving the planet. Just understand that. And, and Greta Thunberg from five years ago obviously had no clue what she was talking about. But Greta Thun- Thunberg from five years ago was responsible for legislation. Well, she did because – well, she was used essentially by the media yeah, and the but power that's structure. That's but a lot of young people also I think looked to her as Absolutely a, as a, they did. And so they were very influenced as well. But the truth is in my opinion, she was just a pawn of the the lobbies and the power structure that essentially wanted to affect the kinds of things and policies that happened as a result. So she was – I don't know what we call the figurehead, if you will. Yeah, they allowed her to be used, and they're still yeah. allowing her to be used. Yeah, and and, and now, I don't now know. she's an adult. I mean, she's in her early twenties. No, I no, no. I have a. I she is now. Let me see. She's about twenty years old. Yeah, she's she's twenty. So, I mean, she's an adult, and she can do whatever she wants and and support whatever causes she wants. That's fine. Hopefully, she'll become a little bit less zealous and a little more. Circumspect. And circumspect and, and intelligent and thoughtful in her positions and in the kinds of things that she thinks need to happen. So, Well, there was a meme going around after the Ohio train derailment. and That's a topic we should have actually I, – I Yeah, that's a big one. We I mean it's a little that. bit old. Uh, I guess that was about a month ago, right? Yeah. It's been about a month. I mean – the. There, I'm seeing a lot of stuff. Basically, they think it may be the single biggest environmental catastrophe in U.S. history. Well, um, I mean, only time will tell. Yeah. Uh, and hopefully, the testing starts happening or is happening at a better level than at what it was. And they're not, you know, they're making all these people sign these uh, non-disclosure, signing away their rights. So and- something is interesting about this. This to me, uh, I'm sure there are people who know. <laughs> the history of environmentalism in the United States way better than I do. But the impression I always got before when you look at things like uh, who was the girl, Aaron Brockovich, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah, she's she sort of stepped yeah, in. And she's this. kind of stepped in, although yeah. she get a little bit of criticism because like, oh, you, you waited a little while to get on this, didn't you? But anyway, you get the impression that before, earlier, it was really big corporations that were preventing the release of information. In this case, I get the distinct impression it's the government itself that is preventing the transparency of what's actually going on here. And I'm sure maybe the, the rail line and other companies are too, but it really feels, it feels like it's being pushed, uh, the censorship, if you will, or the, the lack of transparency is being, is being controlled by the government, not by the companies. Not by the corporations involved. It seems like the information was slow to come out and a couple people were running with it, but not everybody. And we didn't really fully know the extent of things for a couple of weeks. And it's now been, you know, well over a month now. We, we still don't know. So only time will tell. Didn't it? I mean, it did feel like though, at least in the beginning of this and maybe still now, the, the government seems almost entirely apathetic about the whole situation. I mean, yeah, and and you know there was reasons they're trying to say there's reasons why it was a Trump voting county. Oh, well, okay, yeah, that's trying to ascribe motion or, or uh, motivation to the apathy. I, I I'm just to me, I don't even care about the mo- why they're being apathetic, but but just the fact that they are is yeah, astonishing. It's, it, no, it's just crazy. Well, back to Greta Thunberg, there was a meme going around of her sort of sitting on a train eating all this food as if she's in motion, and the East Palestinians behind her. Sort of blowing That's up. That's the location of, of this, this catastrophe. Yeah, the, exactly. We're and she's just sort of eating her food, eating her lunch, 
not having anything to yeah, do with this. Yeah, she and so, which is, is it, she eating uh, crickets? Probably. She's not eating crickets, and that's the thing. She's not eating. eating no, yeah. she's actually eating grass-fed uh, or beef. <laughs> I know what she's eating. It looked like a little feast. I should find <clears throat> right. the meme. Nonetheless, she's the it. It is a description of her. Yeah, for somebody who seems of, to be so interested in uh, the dangers of industrial level um, pollution, pollution, and, or yeah. whatnot. Uh, yeah, she's strangely care less. silent. Yeah, on this, and you could say that about. Well, has any big voice on the left i mean back in the day when we were young okay there would have been dozens of aaron brockovich's just dying to get onto the tv and all of the tv stations would have been covering this they would have been all over this and there's just crickets yeah i i don't know it's sort of baffling to me and and also the other subject is like, why are all these trains derailing? I mean, that, I mean, I don't want to go into that because that is just another you know, long okay. subject, but uh, that's just a crazy I, story. I, I, not to talk about that specifically, but I am, I'm noticing something going on uh, when, when I'm going through my internet news and it's, I, I feel like there's patterns that are being sometimes pushed that may give the false impression of frequency. I've seen a lot of things about train derailments too since this happened. But what's not clear to me, are they happening at a higher rate than they normally? And that's it. We don't right? have a, it's only sudden reporting. We don't have a history. So I don't of know. Frequency. So, so then I'm like, okay, is it just because they think that people are interested in this, that they're publishing these stories or are they trying to give the impression that this is happening at a higher level or is it actually, it is actually happening. See, I don't know, but I'm, uh, I'm always suspicious with the media when I, when I see patterns like that, that there may be some reason why it's happening beyond the obvious. That makes me sound like a conspiracy theorist. But, but I mean, based on past experience with the media, you have to at least consider that there is a, there is an agenda to that. Now, by the way, this is the same argument that people, you know, this was called the pro COVID vaxxers will say about all of the mysterious deaths of young people by heart attack. They'll say, oh, well, that's, that's not happening any more than it, than it normally does. You're just, you know, publishing articles about it. Whereas people like me are saying, uh, I don't know. Maybe this has something to do with forced COVID vaccines, uh, uh, given to young people, young men especially. And that's why they're having heart attacks where we never noticed it before. <clears throat> but they would say, well, well, no, you're just seeing those. They're just pushing those. Those pieces this, these now. Stories just are reporting just suddenly, on it yes. now. The reporting is so high. It can highly. go. It can go both ways, and that's and and they're right uh, that you have to you have to look at it not just because you're seeing a lot of stories about it. Is the actual rate different? Now, of course, it does appear that the actual rates are different. That we're certainly getting enough evidence um, uh, about that now, so much so that uh, governments are changing policies because of it. But it, it, certainly in the beginning, you, they had an argument to be made. So I don't know. And the same thing with the with the whales, right? I, I'm seeing all those pieces in the whale. Is it actually happening at a higher rate? I don't know. Or so, now are they just wanting to elevate the they, story? Yeah. And so, yeah, that is the issue that all Americans are dealing with now. They have no sense of where they're being, where they're and being. if – they're being manipulated yeah. by the news. Correct. Are these stories suddenly being published where they weren't before? Mm-hmm. It, I mean, this goes back to even Trump's situation with kids in cages. 
Right. It's it, it was magnified. It's terrible. No one wants to see a, a child in a cage. Yeah, th- this was a story about um, uh, at the border where kids were <laughs> – pictures of kids in cages floating above the ground or something. It was like – Well, like, just they were like sort of uh, – they were, you know, the chain link fences. Yeah, and, you know, it was – it, it was uh, when people come across the border – most countries would do this. You, you just like forced quarantine uh, and then you have to investigate the people, especially young kids. You're like, okay, well, who are your parents? And somebody could say they were their parents. And in fact, they're actually their, uh, they're a trafficker. They're trafficking the kids, uh, for the sex trade. They have to do the separation stuff anyway. So there were photos taken showing quote kids in cages. Yeah. It sort of looked like kennels almost. Yeah. And however, it was really, really the story was magnified during the Trump era of these photos. Mm-hmm. As if that has, was not going on during Obama. And, and it was. Yeah, and, and, the, and apparently he, the, he, the was, irony was, of it was that the, um, a lot of the photos that were published were from the Obama administration. Exactly. <laughs> and so, but that was such a manipulation. Yeah, total manipulation. Yeah. Of, uh, the emotions of people because no one wants to see this. Right. Yet it had been going on. So how many things are we dealing with today where it's that same? Yeah. Story with have we have the whales been beaching themselves for a while? Or are we just now seeing reporting? Have trained derailments been going on for a long time, or are we now just seeing reporting? Right. As much as I like to pin something on Buttigieg, you know, yeah, stuff. And, I mean, maybe he has nothing to do with this, and, and this has been going on forever. Uh, I don't no, know. Does the Treasury Secretary, not the Treasury, the Transportation Secretary, uh, Pete Buttigieg, does he have any responsibility in this? I, I, I actually don't. What does it? I don't know what the transportation secretary does. Well, I does. guess he's partially, uh, he's got to be the head of the, 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 uh, department that controls the FAA, right? So the Federal Aviation Administration. So I'm, that's a part of it. But I, as far as trains, I mean, I don't know. Well, it's, I mean, he was sort of wanting to, like during COVID, he would have been sort of, why are the logistics so terrible? What's happening with why are we not the able supply chain stuff? The supply chain right. stuff. What's right. going on with that? And also, like, hey, there are when I'm I'm arriving on the job first day, um, am I looking at wait, why are we having all these train derailments? Mm-hmm. What is the problem here? You, you would think that that, that he would be someone interested who's, in that. Someone who is that job. But let's be honest though, I mean these these Secretary heads are they're not actually especially working. in the case of the the Biden administration. To me, it seems like they're just political appointee figure. It's almost like um, ambassadors. It's always a joke. I would, what I is an ambassador? Ambassador is totally a political appoint appointed person who almost has nothing to do with the foreign policy in the country that exactly. they're in. So, so he's not actually. He's just a figure. He's just a figure he, did, he didn't like show up and like, I'm ready for work. No. Show me the reports on this. Show me what's happening with this. Well, he didn't famously. He wasn't he on. Uh, what do they call it? Uh, paternity leave. Paternity leave yeah. with his uh, husband uh, for like three months and nobody even knew. No one even knew he was gone. <laughs> like, right? I think it That's actually was during the is. supply chain, like the height of the supply right. chain and crisis. Finally, somebody's like, well, wait a minute. We'd like to interview Pete Buttigieg. Oh, well, like, he's on Where leave. is he? Where is that guy? All these ships are off of LA, oh, uh, you know, LA Harbor. What's yeah, going on? I, Does just... Pete have a comment on the ships? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well then, you know, I try to give some of these guys a benefit of the doubt, but every time he doesn't, he, he just sounds like he doesn't know what he's talking. He just he doesn't. Apparently, he showed up in. Uh, <sighs> and we're gonna we're gonna end after this, uh, but I will say, apparently, he showed up in East Palestine with like super fancy shoes on, 
and like didn't oh, no look doubt. like he was getting ready right. to roll up his sleeves I get, at all. I guarantee you didn't drink that water they said was safe. No, <laughs> no. I wonder if he drank some of Trump's water. <laughs> oh, that's right, Trump water. Oh, that's right. Wait, Trump. Buttigieg, you thirsty want a Trump water? He's like, I. Yeah, we we have some 2020 campaign Trump water. Are you interested? <laughs> Okay, let's end on a uh, let's end on a good okay, note. All right. uh, another movie I said I saw a couple movies over the weekend, and the other movie I saw was Jesus Revolution. Okay, and you said a friend told you to see it. A friend told me to see it. Now, why don't you tell us wh- what is the basic? Yes, I will. Okay, deal about it. So, it's a time capsule uh, to the past of the Jesus movement here, especially in Orange County during uh, the- Southern California. Yes, Southern California. During the late 60s, early okay. 70s. So what was this movement? The movement was there were uh, – well, as the movie describes it, I'm not going to go into the okay. bigger – and I don't want to give too much of the movie away because people are still seeing it. But there's uh, Pastor Chuck Smith. He's in – Was he Cavalry Chaplain? He was. Yeah, yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and when his – during the late 60s, he just has this very small aging congregation and he ends up Meeting up, and I'm not going to say how, with a quote-unquote hippie from San Francisco who has become uh, a Christian. And they together reach this larger crowd of youth, sort of lost youth, and bring them into the church. The 60s generation. The 60s generation, and which then becomes the Jesus movement. It was on the cover of Time Magazine. um, There's been a number of uh, Christian revivals in U.S. history, so this is basically talking about this particular one. And some say this is one of the biggest Christian revivals um, during this because it was going going on all across the United States. But we were ground – this area where we live, coincidentally, was ground zero because where this a lot of this was filmed is just north of us. 10 miles or so. so okay. And so it was filmed on location at some local beaches and cinematography is beautiful. The acting is great. It's, it's a really, it's a well-funded production. So it's produced well in the past. Christian movies were not produced very well. The, the production well, value was very low. Like passion of the Christ was passion. Of the Christ is an exception. Okay. But that uh, was not the norm. That's not the, norm. that's not the norm. A lot of them were sort of what about uh, the 10 commandments. <laughs> Well, wait, who's in the Ten Commandments? Uh, that's uh, uh, Charlton, Heston Charlton Heston and Yul Brenner yes. with that voice. Yes. Let me tell you, as a man, that is the voice I wish I had. Yes. Oh, my God. Reverberating it just, voice. He just – oh, man. Just well, a, anyway, yeah, okay, sorry. Okay, so besides – Of course, that was uh, – uh, for you young people, that was because he was a smoker and then he famously also did uh, just before – actually, after he died from lung cancer – they did some um, PSA um, uh, commercials on the dangers of smoking. Oh, I don't know if you remember that. I don't. It remember happened that. when we were in high school. Okay. Uh, he died around that time frame. So right after he died, they put these out there, and he basically said, "Don't smoke." Because it was his, really powerful. So it gave him that sort of baritone. that was part of the okay. reason why he had one of those voices. A lot of singers back in the day Pack too. Their, do that. their uh, yeah, <laughs> their voices were um, partly because of their smoking oh, is wow. what gave them a, a, an interesting sounding voice. Anyway, ca- carry on. So Jesus Revolution gives us a look into that era, and it was a good. It's a good movie. So, what would you say the theme of the movie is? It just a historical kind of view, or is there any? So particular- the theme of the movie is there is another. So it's Chuck Smith's uh, church growing, but also another famous. Uh, I don't like to use the word famous because when we talk about pastors, but a well okay a well known pastor, Greg Laurie. His ministry, which is the Harvest Ministry, was also born out of this era. Now, that one I've never heard of. He 
he's got Harvest Ministry and he does stuff at the like the so that, Angel Stadium. It's still today going. Still today, okay. yes. I've never even heard of that one. Yes, and so he, had you heard of that? Were you familiar? Absolutely. With it? Oh, okay. Yes. All right. Because he's out of Riverside. Okay. And so he was sort of a, um, mentored by Chuck Smith. Mm-hmm. And, but he had a very hard life and then it's transparent about his struggles. So do they, so, do they contrast the two movements or the two churches, I guess, if you will? Or no? no, his church isn't started at that point. Okay. No, he's, he's, he's involved with Chuck Smith. And it's just, he's a youth. He's in high school. I see. Okay. And it's how he's sort of overcoming his struggles. During this Jesus in how movement era and how he, uh, sort of overcomes them. Mm-hmm. And so I guess the theme would be overcoming struggles for mm-hmm. Greg Laurie. And then also the church maybe prior to at least, you know, Chuck Smith's church was sort of catering to this really, uh, Traditional, but I want to say traditional in the sense of bad. You know, they didn't want people in their church with bare feet. They didn't want, and so it was very restrictive. And so they were keeping out a large group of a large population of people from from encountering Jesus. Mm-hmm. Now, um, in, in a more topical thing, though, kind of along with this, wasn't isn't there something, or wasn't there something going on at, at one of the universities? In the middle of the country, the last couple months, where they did a service, and then all of a sudden, all the students just kept staying, and then a bunch of young people started to come. Almost like a revival thing. They did do that, and you know what is it? I do not Asbury. Oh, I think that's yes. what it was. Asbury, something. Asbury. Yeah, and I, I don't know not, if that's still going on, and I don't it's know if not it's not going a on anymore. True revival. Uh, there was a lot of questions in the yeah. Christian community of whether or not that was a true revival. Okay. What is revival? And so they were looking at that, right. and and I'm going to say I don't have an opinion on it because I did not. Just don't know, yeah. I just don't know anything about it. You but know, I, I saw a lot of stuff written about it anyway. I do know there were a lot of questions about what is revival. Mm-hmm. Was it a revival? And then people on the other side, it was absolutely a revival and it was amazing. Right. And a lot of kids were fired up on Jesus as a result. Right. So, um, you know, I think when things like that happen, it's everyone just wants to sort of look at them and see what's going on. And some people are like, we don't need to see what's going on. We're sort of fed by the Holy Spirit and we're just going to yeah, move forward. I, I so s- I, I, there's both sides. I do see uh, that there is um, the theological argument about – is it just an experience or is it actually actual religious kind of self-awareness? As a lot yes, of people say that, that it's exactly really just an experience. Is. I see a lot of critique about a lot of, well, a lot of churches in that sense that they're, what they're really just selling is an experience yes. rather than the theology of Christianity, if you will. That is so Not that I'm an expert by any means, but- But that is I, very I've well seen. said. And I think that when, uh, from what I read, that was exactly what- It was more ex- experiential rather Well, no, than... I think that those were the questions people oh, were asking. okay, we're asking, okay. Yeah. Was it more experiential than it was theological? Right. And at the end of the day, does that matter if you- Yeah, right. that's something? a whole other and question. That is, and exactly. Yeah. And yeah. I don't- and, what were the hearts of people that were there? Mm-hmm. And some of the people were like, it was the best thing ever. And so. Yeah, we, we may do, uh, I, I could see us doing some more religious themed topics. Not that that would be a primary thing, but I could see us doing a couple of those and I'm curious if there's any feedback from any of the listeners about that. If you had any thoughts on whether that is something that you would be interested in us discussing or even what you feel about, you know, that, that revival, whether or not it was a revival in yeah. your mind or, you know, if you saw Jesus Revolution and you can, can kind of p- compare the two. The fact that I've been recommended to see it, though, by a number of people, 
that one and Maverick. Those are the only two movies anybody's oh recommended me to okay, see. Okay, so, so you can go to the theater. <laughs> and, and that's another thing about Jesus Revolution, and I don't think I mentioned it, is that it's been in fairly wide release mm. compared to You're, other Christian yeah, films. Yeah, right, which, where they which will seldom usually, are going to get wide release. Exactly. Sure. It's not in the widest release, like a Maverick, right. but it is in fairly wide release. Usually in our area, there's a theater about 10 minutes up the road that will show – the lower release films in our area. And so like Bethany Hamilton a couple of years ago had a movie that came out and we went, our family went up and saw the, her movie there. You would never go see it at the local, you know, the more wide release theaters. Jesus Revolution is at all of our local theaters, which is kind of a big deal. I, and I, and oh, I know we're going to wrap it up, but yep. I just thought it'd be worth mentioning that it does seem like there's been a fair amount of, I don't know, Christian themed content because isn't The Chosen, wasn't that kind of a big thing recently? Yes, uh, The Chosen. And I, I know there's criticism it, about it, but I mean, it's certainly Christian themed. And, we ha- themed, and I right? haven't watched it. You have, oh, you haven't seen it. So you no, have no, and I, it's it. on my list to watch. Is it Netflix? Is that- no, it's not in Netflix and that's why I haven't watched it. It's not easily... Uh, gotten is it's not just i can't just turn it on and, and get okay. it I, I need to do a couple but steps. that's that's been going on for a couple, couple of years, years now. i want yeah. to say and so that's and that's specifically i mean the whole jesus story right the yes. whole new, basically yes. the new testament yes kind of deal yes. yes so from what i know and that uh and but my, I knew, my impression was that it was relatively high production yeah it's high production on, on and it's got a good storyline right. i do know that there was a couple there are some theological well, the criticism um, that I criticisms. see of it is that, you know, the thing is, it's very difficult in some aspects to make a movie about uh, the New Testament in the sense that there's not a lot of detail, right? So, uh, and part of that, interestingly, at least to me, is that back in those days, you didn't have books. Things, things were written on scrolls and scrolls had a standard size. And so the size of like the book of, of Matthew and the book of Luke, they basically fit the size of a scroll. And, uh, also, uh, the book of Acts, right? So when Luke wrote Luke and Acts, each, those were two scrolls and that was as much space as you had. And people had to copy those things by hand, extremely expensive to manufacture, to produce. So you weren't going to fill them up with a lot of the detail that we're used to seeing in a novel or a story because the printing press, all the supporting stuff, yeah, all that supporting stuff. So in the chosen, the Chris, Chris, and again, I haven't seen it just so we're clear. But what I saw criticism was that they're having to fill a lot of that stuff out with stuff that isn't in the text, the source test text. And a lot of people get a lot of angsty feelings about that. Well, okay. We know that Jesus said other things than what was there or the apostles, but we don't know what he said, but is it yeah. fair to say that he said, uh, okay, well, it's time for lunch? Well, yeah, he probably did. Yes. Yeah. So, no, so, he would have. But how far can you go? How far can you and, go? How many yeah. words can you put in Jesus's mouth before it becomes, Or any of, any of the apostles, right? Yes. It's, it's like. Before it becomes, uh, difficult. But again, yeah, they gotta go to bed at night. They, they have to do stuff. Now, what's interesting, I don't think anybody ever said that about the Ten Commandments. I don't ever, nobody's ever said that. I don't know anybody's ever taken issue with the obvious liberties of that movie. Um, and yet it's still loved, I think, by Christians pretty universally. I need to go see it because I, I, I don't think I've seen it. Oh, you gotta be kidding me. No. Or if I did, it was a long time ago. I oh, you had to it. see it as a kid. It was always on no, every I year. Don't remember. That and the robe. Did you ever see the the robe? robe. No. Well, anyway, okay, yeah, we're we're going, we're going afar here. Okay, let's wrap it up. Thank you, people. 
Yes, thank you, everybody. Do we have a topic for next week? We do. So this is our next topic is going to be uh, pretty heavy. We're going to release our episode on homelessness. Okay. And we spent a lot of time researching that, and uh, we're really proud of that episode. And uh, we'll let you know. We'll yeah. advertise before that comes out. More spicy content. You know, <laughs> it does have spicy content, but not too much. No, not, no, not we... as much as our COVID. I don't know. It, you know, I think it depends on the person. It depends. You're I, right. Absolutely. Listen, I think there's enough spice there for for some people to maybe even feel more than than the COVID. It just depends. But. Well, it's the thing is, you and I sit so securely where we are that sometimes maybe we don't realize some of the things could be spicy to a listener. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, if you're used to curry, you don't think it's that big of a deal. No, I mean, you don't. You, you just get, keep eating that. You give right it curry. to some, you know, white guy from, you know, I don't know, <laughs> Alabama, and he'd be like, "Oh my god, he just burned my intestines." <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, okay, so we'll uh, see you next week. Okay, see you next week. All right, bye. bye. Thank you for listening to the I'll Think About It podcast. We hope we've given you something to think about. Please share us with your friends and on your social media. Goodbye for now. Well, <coughs> we need to get a cough button. I do. <laughs>